This is a special edition of the RTI Press Pass powered by Rocky Top Insider. Here are your hosts, Rick Butler and Jack Foster. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler, joined across the table. That is the one, the only, Jack Foster. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing today? And I'm doing great. It feels so amazing outside, and it had gotten cold for a little bit, and now it's, oh my God, been now warm it's hot the again. last couple days. Yeah. I hope I get to go golfing later today because it is just too good a weather to not take advantage. Oh, that's I hope that's a big hope. Okay, but, but that's a that's a good hope to have, especially yeah. with a big travel weekend coming up. Right. Get get a nice uh, couple hours or whatever it is on the course today. But you're right; it has gotten hot out of nowhere. It's the you know the the country can't make up its mind, and in terms of weather right now, but I'm sure it's going to start dropping again soon. I I'm no weatherman expert, so I don't want to linger on this topic. Somebody's going to call me out, but it's <laughs> it's weird right now. Yeah, I imagine it'll be cold, though, where we're headed this weekend. Uh, yeah, I would certainly say so. It's a big trip coming up this weekend. You and I are, are hitting the flight to get there, and, you know, funny story about that real quick, and, and traveling and flights and all this kind of coming together. For starters, you're not hearing the voice of Ryan Shumpert on the show today. That's because he's not in the studio with us. He is actually at, well, as we're recording this, at 10, 18 a.m. in the morning, he's at McGee-Tyson Airport. He was supposed to fly out to Wisconsin I believe I want to say it was like a 7 o'clock flight this morning. He texted us at, what What was it, Jack, at like 6.30. 6.30 in the morning, and he said, quote, major maintenance issue, so I'll be delayed a good bit. I texted him back around 9, and I said, you know, how are things looking? No answer for a couple minutes. Taking the silence is good. And he said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was just asleep. We're looking at an 11.30 departure now. So Ryan is having a little bit of travel issues Right now, for his trip to Wisconsin for the basketball game, Jack, hopefully we have no troubles tomorrow. Now, I was on the phone with American Airlines just for a, a, a quick story. Um, you know, we had booked our travel through a, a, a travel agency, so I was on the phone with American Airlines. And, yeah. you know, I have my whole account set up there, so full transparency. I was just trying to get the the travel agency onto my American Airlines account, right? Add up those miles. Those miles matter. So I'm on the phone with the, with the customer service agent and... and, and in the background, you know, they kind of put me on hold, but not like where you hear the elevator music. You, yeah. you hear all the other operators kind of talking to their customers. And I hear one of the operators going, uh, ma'am, ma'am, there's only one seat left going from Charlotte to St. Louis. I don't know if I can fit two people on that flight. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, am I listening to another Tennessee fan trying to book their flight to, you know, to Charlotte and then St. Louis? Because that's where that's where the operator said they are going. They are like, look, we only have one seat left going Charlotte to St. Louis. I can't fit two people there. It just won't work. Yeah. I'm like, I think I literally might be listening to another Tennessee fan trying to get their travel booked to Columbia, Missouri this weekend. So I don't know if that was true or not, but it at least kind of tracked for me. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, I I'm curious to see how many Tennessee fans travel because this is, I don't know, how far away is College Station? Oh, wow. I mean, College Station would be incredibly far. I mean, I think it would be, what, 14 hours maybe? Okay, so let me, let me it, look. It is the farthest trip outside of this one. What, College Station? Yeah. Yeah. So, Definitely. But this is probably second, Yeah, right? it's 14 hours and nine minutes. So I That think, would be a doozy. I think this one is farther than Baton Rouge. Not totally sure. But anyway, it's one of the farthest trips you can make in the SEC, of course. Yeah, it so. only took. I think it took us about nine hours to get to yeah, Baton Rouge I last it year. Was just and a tad less. Yeah. Well, like, I think this one might be like ten or eleven if we tried to drive. But luckily, right. you know, yeah. 
luckily we don't have to do that, my friend. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just in one of the worst parts of the country. Like, yeah. and not to dog on Como too much. And I, I was actually at in St. Louis last weekend, and it's a nice city. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, I really like it. Hey, I actually really like the campus of Missouri. I got to go up there once. Okay. My cousin, uh, My cousin was a graduate there, so I went and watched a football game there. 2013, maybe? I loved the campus. I mean, okay, I, I nice. thought it was awesome, but the city and the surroundings, nothing. it's a whole lot of nothing. I was talking to a, you know, a friend of the show, Mike Wilson, yesterday, and he was just saying, hey, it's only two hours, but that drive from St. Louis to Columbia, miserable. <laughs> he goes, there's one outlet mall, and that's going to be the only thing that you see along oh, the man. entire way. So Love you it. and I will be doing some late night driving and some early morning driving on that route. Uh, oh, but yeah, that Sunday morning's going to be fun. That Sunday morning's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Can't wait. Fun is the uh, appropriate word, and, and we are uh, subject to change that word when we wake up this on is, Sunday. Uh, so Hey, hey, we're, we're starting to, uh, I mean, it's no you and Ryan yet, but like three straight SEC road trips, me and you, bud, going together. Wow, that's that's true. Because Ryan went to East Lansing for Lexington, so he was kind of just half. Yeah, and then yeah. We, we did everything we for did Tuscaloosa, uh, Tuscaloosa before. Because he was with his brother. And then, wow. Now this. Look at us. Let's go. I feel like we're 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 literally standing right across from each other at the table, not even an angle or anything, just face to face. I feel like we're the Paul Rudd meme. You know, look at us. Look yeah, at that's us. right. All right, travel aside, let's get into what the people want to listen to. Quick preview today for the Tennessee Missouri game coming up this Saturday afternoon in Columbia, Missouri. It's going to be on CBS at three thirty p.m. You have the number thirteen Tennessee Volunteers taking on the number fourteen Missouri Tigers. First and foremost. I was a little bit surprised that Tennessee's all the way up at 13 in the rankings. You jump up four after the UConn win, but hey, as I told a friend earlier this week, Tennessee was kind of just in the right place at the right time to move up yep. after a couple's drop down, so Tennessee and Missouri going to be a top 15 clash in Columbia. Yeah, going up to four, you know, four, 13, sorry, Missouri is 14, and like you said, right place, right time, just a couple of losses you know, go your way and then you're up there, but I think this is about where... Tennessee and Missouri have played all year. They've been a mid-teens type of team, and, yeah. and they're very similar. Both seven and two so far. Both three and two in the league. They've been very similar type of teams this year. And uh, and if you look at the stats, I mean, they're fourth and fifth, Tennessee and Missouri respectively, in points per game, total points, you know, rushing yards in the in the league, and they've just been a really similar team. And I'm excited to see how this matchup plays out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you look at these teams, you know, Tennessee ripped off four straight, or not four straight, but four wins out of their last five games, only losing to Alabama. But you do have that win against Kentucky on the road that builds a lot of momentum. You come back home, Tennessee beats uh, UConn by 56 points. That's a lot of momentum as they kind of head into this game. And also, as Tennessee continues to climb up the AP ranks and the college football rankings. Missouri, on the other hand, though, they're now losers of two out of their last four. Coming off of a loss to Georgia and Athens where they lost by nine, they're kind of, uh, you know, not, 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 not floating, or maybe, maybe floating a little bit. They're, they're not falling down the rankings or anything no. like that. But I do think that all that kind of adds together to where the pressure is on Missouri for this game. They've got to be the ones to defend home field. Yeah. They've got to be the ones to say, hey, look, the beginning of the season was not just a fluke. We're going to end it the same way we finished it. Meanwhile, Tennessee coming into this thing and saying, hey, we just won our last road game. We just had a had a dominant victory at home. They feel I, I at least feel like the pressure is more on Missouri here. You're absolutely right. They got to defend home field and coming off a loss. But I'm going to give Missouri some credit here. I think last weekend they showed they're real, sure. and I was very skeptical of Missouri when they beat K State. wasn't convinced. They beat Kentucky. I started to get convinced a little bit. 
and then they you know hang with Georgia and Athens. That's a tough thing to do. It is, and they looked good. So I, I'm giving them the legit label now. They are a really good team this year. It's certainly surprising. Did not think Drinkwitz could, you know, have a team this good this early in his tenure. But yeah, Missouri's a really tough out. They have an explosive passing game, just like. You know, they're not quite LSU's level, but they're definitely, to me, second so far this year in the SEC in terms of just being able to light you up on the back end. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Missouri, though, definitely more pressure. And to your point, one of the aspects of that really kind of potent offense that they have is wide receiver Luthen Burden the third. And, and that's where I kind of feel like one of the bigger points talking about this game, who knows? This could be a null point by the time that the game actually starts, but at least throughout the week so far, he's questionable leading into this game. That's massive for Tennessee. I, I can't think of the exact um, the exact kind of records right now or standings or whoever it is, uh, the, the correct word I'm looking for there, but one of the top three receivers in the league in terms of passing yard, or excuse me, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. He is an absolute playmaker on the outside. Questionable going into this game, that changes a lot for Tennessee's secondary. It does change a lot, and we've seen Tennessee's secondary struggle a little bit. Of course, they played UConn last week, so it doesn't really count, but you know, against Kentucky... Uh, Devin Leary, as I said, after the Kentucky game, had one of the best games of his collegiate career. And, you know, it's going to be huge if Burden is out. There's no question. He's been one of the best wide receivers in the SEC's third in yards so far this year, averaging 15 yards a reception. So this guy's a, this guy's really good. And if he plays, you know, assuming he's good to go and is basically, you know, fully healthy and ready to roll. Uh, he's going to have a good day. There's there's no getting around it. I just don't think that yeah. Tennessee secondary is going to match up well against him. But without Burden in the mix, it's going to be much easier to manage this Missouri passing attack. Yeah, I definitely think you're right. I mean, this is a guy who at one point in the season had five straight games where he had at least 114 yards in all, all five of those games. So this is a guy who's got extreme talent. He can make moves all over the field. But I think you're right. If he's not in... Look, Missouri still got talented pieces on the offensive side of the ball, and Brady Cook is a talented quarterback, but that does absolutely change things, and it gives Tennessee's uh, secondary a little bit more breathing room, as you were saying. Yeah, Missouri's been an offense uh, that has surprisingly been, you know, very balanced. And Cody sure. Schrader, no one saw him coming. I mean, he leads the league in yards right now, not as efficient as the Jalen Wrights of the world, but does lead the SEC in rushing yards. And this is kind of a one-guy backfield. It's very similar to Kentucky. We talked about Kentucky's rushing attack a couple weeks ago. Ray Davis has had a, had had a great year up to that point, still does. But if Tennessee can shut down Cody Schrader, just like they did Ray Davis, no one else from Missouri's backfield is really going to jump out at you and beat you. I think it's a one guy to focus on. And then if you take Burton out of the situation, you think Missouri's probably going to try and lean on the run a little bit more. That's what Tennessee excels at. It's going to work doubly into Tennessee's favor, I think. Yeah, Schrader has 52 more carries on the year than than Jalen Wright does in yeah. comparison right there. So that kind of leads you to believe that, hey, that's the workhorse for them. That's kind of the bell cow for them. That's going to be one of the most important things to watch. But, you know, one of the other th important things to watch, I, I think, right there on that side of the field is, can Tennessee's pass rush get back to a little bit where they were? I think I might have said this last week, and I think I said, you know, said it maybe in the terms of, getting back on track, getting back to, you know, building a little bit more momentum heading into this game. But, hey, some of Tennessee's players have talked about in the last couple of weeks that you're just at the end of the season, right? There's a lot of film to watch on these teams. There's a lot of tape to watch on these yeah. teams. Teams are going to be scheming Tennessee's pass rush a little bit differently. Both Alabama and Kentucky did that, uh, and I think you saw a little bit of success from the opposition there. So how does Tennessee kind of 
rejuvenate that pass rush. They obviously have the dogs to be able to do so, but how are they going to do that from a scheme perspective? I, I think that continues to be a big storyline as that's one of the strengths of Tennessee's defense. It is certainly one of the strengths of Tennessee's defense. And when you talk about Tennessee's pass rush, I think it's, you know, there's a track record of it not being what it can't, not living up to its uh, potential on the road. And it did in the first half against Alabama, then it kind of subsided. It was, not, I'm going to say non-existent, but it wasn't what it should be on the road against Kentucky. So that's a key in this game, certainly. Can Tennessee's pass rush get home on the road? Brady Cooks, you know, they're middle of the pack offensive line in the SEC. They're not South Carolina, but they're not really good. They're not Georgia either. So I feel like they're gettable, but not the easiest of matchups. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that this is a, this is a game where Tennessee's defense has to come together and play as one. And I know that's cliche to say. I know that, you know, that's obviously an ideology that goes into any game. But I do think that all three levels are going to need to work together in this game because, again, Missouri is balanced, right? They are efficient at doing different things. And that's especially if Luther Burden does end up playing for Missouri. I mean, that's a lot of offensive firepower they have. All three levels of the defense have got to be able to work together. Yeah, and, you know, talking about the defense, too, and the the secondary it's kind of similar to Alabama. Missouri wants to have big plays. They're not a move yeah. down the field slowly. Yeah. They they are very explosive. Here's just a stat for you. Air yards per attempt. Missouri, you know, averages nine yards per pass attempt um, as far as air yards go. Tennessee only allows six yards per completion. So you have this little battle here. That's second in the nation, by the way. So Tennessee's very good at limiting big plays all year they have been. So if Luther burns out, I think Tennessee will be really good at that again, but just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, when you think about it, there really hasn't been that many huge, explosive, over-the-top plays. Yeah, I'd go back to Alabama, of course. Burton had a couple of sure. plays. Texas A&M's receivers had a couple of good plays. But we're talking 15 to 20-yard plays. The bond catch, yes. Yeah. Coming out yeah. of halftime was big for Alabama. But Tennessee hasn't ha- allowed a lot of bombs, whereas in years past, certainly with Tim Banks in the past couple of years, they've been susceptible to it. Yeah. Let me ask you this as we kind of switch to the other side of the ball. We mentioned it at the top of the show, right? Tennessee does go into Kentucky two weeks ago. They get that big win in Lexington. Kind of get that, I don't know if they felt this way, but certainly one of the talking points that we were having, fans are having, is maybe they kind of got that monkey off their back a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to go into an enemy territory, especially a hostile territory, being able to come away with a gritty win. How do you feel about just kind of Tennessee's ability to go into what's expected to be another big-time environment here in Columbia after getting that victory against Kentucky? I mean, it obviously helps just to get the monkey off your back and you know be back in the wind column on the road. And you know, Missouri's not going to be a tough environment like Lexington. It's not going to be a swamp or a, or an LSU or anything close to that. So I think that fact that they you know are coming off a road win, if you will, as far as SEC play goes, is huge. And Joe Milton just playing well over the past couple of games, and I know we'll get to it more, but. His ability to play well on the road against Alabama in the first half especially was encouraging, and then he played really well against Kentucky. So I think that's a big key for Tennessee's ability to play well on the road too. Well, let's actually talk about that right here, right now. You know, Jack, I I don't know. I might have mentioned it to you before the show. I can't even remember 15 minutes ago, but if you had asked me at really any other point in this season, right, what are Tennessee's chances of going on the road into Columbia and beating, it looks like an upst- you know, an uprising Missouri team. I would have told you that it was going to be a difficult challenge no matter what, right? And that's still true. That still is. But I would have felt a lot better about a Missouri Tigers victory in that moment. Gotta say, 
the way that Joe Milton's been playing over the last couple of weeks has really started to influence my decision, started to change things up a little bit. Joe Milton's been great for Tennessee over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, that, that comes after a little bit of a slow start in the season. Tennessee's offense trying to figure out what it's going to look like. Yeah. Tennessee knows it has that big-time running game, but they needed to find the passing, right? And there were a lot of times in the season, especially going back to the beginning of it, where it didn't look like a confident passing game, right? It, it, there weren't a ton of downfield shots. There were, it was a lot more kind of screen passes to receivers, but everything has kind of come together a little bit more than it has here in the last couple of weeks. Joe Milton has been a lot better. Tennessee's been a lot more confident in pushing the ball down the field. But one of the reasons also is that Tennessee's receivers have also stepped up. This new kind of look passing game has really kind of shaped my decision into bringing Tennessee back into the mix for a, for a possible victory here in Columbia. Yeah, like I said, the past two road games, Kentucky and Alabama, he looked good. The receivers have been better. And then last week against UConn was the best we've seen Tennessee's passing offense go all year. And, of course, it's against UConn, so you're like, oh, it doesn't really matter. shouldn't even be taken into account. Well, UConn's a team that had played teams closely so far this year. They're not a total layup. Austin P should have been a bigger layup than UConn. Sure. Tennessee struggles against Austin P. I think when looking back on it, that had to give Tennessee such a bad feeling. Like, man, we have problems. And, you know, struggling against Austin P. then you go on the road to Florida and you get bounced. Yes. Now, you take care of business 59-3 to against a lesser opponent. You just pass the test in flying colors. You're hitting on all cylinders. That's so important for confidence heading on the road in a big-time matchup. So, I feel like it's the complete opposite. Yeah. Bad matchup against an FCS team before going on the road. And then a really good matchup. I know they're an independent, but basically an F- FCS team going on the road. I think that is going to work wonders for Tennessee. Yeah, and I think that also speaks to just the, the culture inside the program, right? And that's not something that we've really had doubts of or, or something that we've questioned a long time. But you're right. I mean, now that we can look at the whole picture in hindsight, maybe not the whole picture, but a lot of the picture in basically. hindsight, you, you can really see how, how maybe that was mentally deflating right for the yep. team right there. But now it's a completely different mindset coming in. It's a team that is, is quietly confident, maybe has a little bit of swagger to them, right? After going and beating Kentucky and Lexington, you come back and you just throttle, absolutely throttle UConn back at home. And, and what did Joey Halsley say before that game? The priority was to get the offense moving to a pace that they felt like was up to their standards and expectations. That's exactly what they did, right? So, yes, it was against a, a, a really of a lesser competition with UConn. At the same time, though, that's exactly what Tennessee wanted to do. They wanted to see their offense run efficiently, run the way that they felt like it can, and it did. Yeah, it was the first time all season I felt like, wow, this looks like 2022 Tennessee. Sure. Because of just how the success they were able to have with the big plays and just how quickly they were scoring. Of course, the defense had three touchdowns. That plays a part in the score, but you know Tennessee was probably going to get there anyway. Yeah. Running game going to be, obviously, still big for Tennessee. You had a couple of interesting stats just in terms of Tennessee's running game versus Missouri's yeah. run defense. What are those? And we'll also talk about Missouri's run defense a little bit more coming up after that. Yeah, so... Um, Talking about Missouri's rush defense, they've been a little susceptible to runs up the middle. They give up 5.1 yards a carry between the tackles. That ranks 103rd in the FBS. Now you think about Tennessee's running game, it's not a lot of outside runs. Wright and Sampson are gashing you in between the tackles. Sure enough, Tennessee averages 6.1 yards per carry up the middle. That is 7th in the FBS. So Tennessee's really strong running up the middle, and you know that's the strength of their O-line. With, of course, Spraggs and Cooper Mays. And the Missouri, that's where they struggle in the run defense. So 
Should be a good game for Wright and Sampson. And when we talk about the run battle, Schrader versus this Tennessee backfield, I feel like you have to give the edge to Tennessee. Yeah, I think uh, you're certainly right, and those stats really kind of prove that point. Tennessee, I, I think you see this team in a, in a lot of portions of this game just say, hey, physical football, we're going to have a battle in the trenches, we're going to run it right behind one of the tackles and we're you know, or one of the guards, and we're going to go. And, and I think that's a... It's a strategy that they're going to find success with. And another thing about Tennessee, obviously they lead the SEC in total rush yards as a team. Jalen Wright leads the league in yards per carry. This is a very explosive rushing offense. So when you talk about big plays, Tennessee's registered 72 explosive runs. That means 10-plus yards on the year. That ranks second in the country, Rick. Missouri has allowed 44 10-plus yard runs this year. And I don't know what that ranks in the country, but I doubt it's in the top 50. So we're talking about a team that can give up big run plays from time to time, and that's what Tennessee's bread and butter. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's something that Tennessee has certainly been good at, right, is those big runs. You saw it on, what, the second play from scrimmage last week against UConn. So I, I certainly think you're right. Jack, I want to go back to, I don't know, when was this game played? Uh, October 7th, right back to Columbia, Missouri. LSU beats Missouri 49-39 to on the road. Now, I don't necessarily think that Tennessee is going to put up 49 points, right? Maybe. I don't know. That that seems like a that seems like a pretty big number right there, but you look at how they did it. Jaden Daniels had a uh, had 259 passing yards through the air. He did have three passing touchdowns, but he also had uh what was this? Jaden Daniels 15 carries for 130 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Uh-huh. Missouri's rush defense has a little has been a little bit up and down this year. They, they've had bad. good games, they've had bad games, right? And this was certainly one of the games where they they were not too efficient at what they were doing. We talked about Joe Milton a second ago, right, and how just he looks a lot more comfortable in his play. He he looks a lot better in his play, frankly. Uh, some of that reason is because that he's had a little bit more ability to run. Joey Halsey, I think, talked about it and said that hey, Joe has said to us. When he kind of feels that first hit on a first drive of the game, it kind of gets those juices going up a little bit. I think that this is a game where Joe Milton can really use his legs to his to his advantage, just kind of how it all wraps up into the run game. Yeah, and that's what he's been doing. And I think that's what's helped him so much in those last two SEC games. Didn't have to against UConn use his legs, that is, but did against Bama And you, you wouldn't want him to there. Exactly, you know, right. The game, was, game not, was over by play two. That's not part of the game plan. But Milton barely ran early in the season. He, he just wasn't a threat with his yeah. legs at all in September. And, you know, over the last two games, here's the stat. Um, he's rushed for 85 yards during uh, against Kentucky and Bama. And, of course, sack yardage plays a part. It should be more than that. But you think about just runs that he's made uh, as far as the game-sealing first down run against Kentucky or just, you know, the times he like, lowered his shoulder against Alabama. That's the type of energy Tennessee needs from this offense and Joe Milton, you know, when he makes a hit like that, it gets everybody juiced and rolling. So that's huge. I think it helps Milton's game a lot. It opens up the offense a little bit more too. So I feel like we're going to see Joe Milton continue to run. Missouri is susceptible to that type of stuff. So I feel like that'll be a, a thing you should watch for in this game. Yeah. And then what, maybe one other thing to watch for just from, from my point of view on the offensive side of the ball is Dante Thornton. You know, well, what kind oh, yeah, of, of role does he have in this game? Again, you, you've seen him continue to find more comfort and confidence on the field. Those aren't even my words. Those are direct from Kelsey Pope, right? He, he talked about on Tuesday how Dante Thornton is a lot more of a confident and comfortable receiver out there on the field. Some of that's moving him to the outside position. Some of that's just, hey, he, he's now had most of a season to kind of learn the offense and get everything under his belt. He had a massive play against Kentucky. He had a, a, a couple catches against UConn. Not that, uh, not that a lot of the offensive starters played a ton of time. 
But I really think that he's one of those players that who knows how he could affect this game, but he's really been coming into his own here in the last couple of weeks. It feels like something big is coming. That's I think so. I, I don't know if it's this game, and it, it may just be Vanderbilt. It, it may never happen, but it feels like Thornton is primed for a huge, huge play. Maybe not a huge game. Sure. I, I don't think there's a game this year where he has six-plus catches. It's just not what sure. he's used in Tennessee's offense as. But I do feel like there's a big play coming. Yeah, and I, I feel like that play against Kentucky was was one of those it was huge, big. huge plays. It was big, but I'm talking like okay. know, a bomb for a touchdown. Game-changing yeah. plays. I can see it. We'll see how that happens. But, it, I, again, I just think that's that's more added benefit for, for Tennessee's offense. Is it true that dogs can can sense when rain is coming? Uh, I think so. Storm? Yeah, that's a, that's a thing, right? Well, that's why I'm asking. I'm not positive. I'm pretty sure. But I'm I don't know about sure just too. rain, but I've, I've, I mean, like, the thing is, is when thunderstorms are about to happen, they always, you know, know and get a little scared. Sure. That's what I've always heard. Your ears are perking up for a Dante Thornton storm <laughs> coming up. Now, maybe not a full storm, but maybe a lightning strike nice here one. or there, you that's know? Good. Yeah. Maybe a lightning strike here or there. It just feels like we're, we're almost there. That's, that's yeah. just my, uh, my take. I see what you're saying. Uh, Jack, any other kind of final wrap-up thoughts? I, I guess I got a couple, but but we've certainly hit both sides uh, of the field in this one. Any other kind of wrap-up thoughts or things we we kind of glossed over or missed along the way? I don't think we glossed over anything. I just do think this is going to be a high-scoring game. And a okay. lot of Tennessee games so far this year, we've thought, oh, it's going to be a rock fight, line of scrimmage, defensive line versus offensive line. Missouri's going to move the ball. Tennessee's offense is going to have to play well if they're going to win this game because – Brady Cook, especially if Luther Burton plays, it, they're going to have success. I'm just telling you right now. What, what I saw Devin Leary do to this Kamal Haddonless Tennessee secondary, Missouri's going to have some success in the yeah, passing offense. that's what so, I was thinking. Tennessee's going to have to score points. I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. Joe Milton's play as of late should give you a lot of confidence. Tennessee's running back should roll. Um, so, yeah, I think it sets up well for Tennessee, but they're going to have to score 30. You know, it's interesting looking at some of Brady Cook's numbers, and he had, a, he had a stretch in the middle of the season where he had four straight games where he was throwing for 341 yards at minimum, right? He had a 395-yard game against Vanderbilt. He had a 411-yard game against LSU, right? And that nearly 100-point combined game. However, though, the last three games, and really after that 411-yard game, 175 against Kentucky, 205 against South Carolina, 212 against Georgia. I'm not saying that he's regressing throughout the year, but this is a guy right. who, who, you know, they, they've been a little bit struggling to put up as many points as they maybe did earlier in the season, but a guy who does have that big arm capability in his pocket, right? So how is Tennessee going to attack that? Again, I think this is going to be a three-level game where all three levels on Tennessee's defense, they have to work in unison. They have to work together. You need everybody to be playing their spot and reading those keys. I'm really interested to see how that's going to unfold for, for the Missouri offense, but I do agree with you. I, I do think this absolutely has a potential of being a high-scoring game. Just again, maybe I hadn't been thinking that all year, but with the improved play of Joe Milton and the receivers the last couple of games, what you're telling me about kind of maybe where Tennessee's offense can can find success in the running game, I think, yeah, maybe it could get up there into the 30s, maybe even the 40s. I mean, talk about a group having pressure on them so much of that is expectation I think expectations are very high for Tennessee's secondary in this game but they've been high for Tennessee's pass rush so I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Tennessee's pass rush to frankly apply a lot of pressure sure. in this game you know and I, I feel like if they are able to have a really good game James Pierce and Tyler Barron it will be huge 
yes. in the game. It will be a very big storyline. Yeah, you, you've seen in different ways. you got to pressure Brady Cook. Get him off schedule. Exactly. Yeah. You've seen in ways how, how Tennessee has been effective in making quarterbacks uncomfortable, whether it was Max Johnson in Texas A&M, it was Spitzer Rattler in, in South Carolina. You've seen how, how when they aren't able to make quarterbacks too uncomfortable, they can sit back there and use the pocket to their advantage, like a Devin Leary. So yeah. how is that going to unfold? We'll have to wait and see. But this is one of those games where, where you, if you're Tennessee, you look at that defensive line, you say, hey, give me everything you got, get to that quarterback. And again, that's been a strength of the team so far, and we'll see if that can kind of come back into the fold for this game against Missouri and Columbia. Yep, some uh, final trends, just a couple um, to keep in mind. Tennessee's a one-point favorite, I believe, right now, or one-and-a-half. It's it's right around a pick but Tennessee has the slight edge. Tennessee's covered its last four meetings against Missouri. And Missouri is seven and thirteen against the spread when the line is between minus three plus three in the past decade. There you go. There you go. Also, for any of the people who didn't know this out there, which I'm sure most people do, Tennessee was not Josh Heupel's first stint in the SEC. That's he right. was actually an assistant coach at Missouri in 2016 and 2017. Uh, if you remember correctly, those were some pretty potent offenses led by Drew Locke, right? Oh hey, yeah. Josh Heupel talked about this week. He said he has a lot of great memories up there in Columbia. Knew a lot of great people. It's funny. If you look at that coaching staff in 2017, Glenn Ellerby was the offensive line coach, currently Tennessee's offensive line coach right now. One of the senior offensive linemen on that Missouri Tigers roster was none other than offensive lineman Alec Abelin, who is oh, now yes, Tennessee's right. first-year tight ends coach. So a lot of, of kind of continuity, a lot of um, you know previous, uh, uh, previous meetings or, or previous history between some of the people here involved in this game. And it uh, should be a good time as Josh Heupel heads back to Missouri for a second time. He he went there, the uh, I guess, first year with, with Tennessee. 62 or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they, Tennessee's throttled, throttled Missouri the last two years. Plus they've the basically been the same exact score, <laughs> minus a couple on each side. Uh, so it, it is pretty funny to see how that unfolds. But plenty of history here between these two teams. Uh, Josh Heupel left Missouri to go take over as the head coach of UCF, so that's when he left there. It wasn't a kind of a firing situation or anything like that, at, at least that, that I'm familiar with on the top of my head. So going to be a huge game. Missouri second in the East. Tennessee is third. So I guess the winner of this game will have sole possession of second in the SEC East. Tennessee's got Georgia right on the horizon after that. So I don't want to count the chickens before they hatch yet. We'll, we have plenty of time to talk about Georgia game next week. Got to see how this one unfolds. But it's another step in the journey for these Tennessee Volunteers. Yep, and the only way Tennessee can uh, win the East is if Ole Miss beats Georgia this weekend. So yeah, a lot of uh, there's already look. Well, let's let's call a spade a spade. There's a lot of Lane Kiffin fans in Knoxville already, right? There's a lot that will never ever ever let that go too. Everybody's kind of got to come together in the Tennessee gotta, fan base and, and pull fans. for Lane Kiffin. Yep. Uh, Lane Kiffin and the Rebels this week, and if you want to see your Tennessee Volunteers potentially hosting uh, Georgia for a chance to win the SEC East coming up next week. Can I give you a crazy scenario? No. Okay, I'm going to give it to you anyway. Okay, fair. Let me know your thoughts. All right. Would you First off, would you ever imagine a world where an SEC team didn't make the CFP? Do you even think it's possible? Oh, man, no. Okay, I, right, right, right. There you go. Okay. Quick answer, no. Well, here you go. Ole Miss beats Georgia, Tennessee beats Georgia. Georgia's two-loss team, not going to Atlanta. Tennessee goes to Atlanta against Alabama, all but has the West locked up, right? Okay. Tennessee beats Alabama. Alabama's now a two-loss team, losing the uh, SEC championship. Tennessee's oh, a two-loss conference champion. Uh, <laughs> would you say? Are then, you saying would they put a two-loss Tennessee no, no, team? No, 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 no. Ole Miss, a one-loss 
the only one loss SEC team, but didn't go to the cha- wow. conference championship and beat Georgia on okay. the road in Athens. Okay. I feel like Ole Miss would have the best chance of making the CFE, certainly since they're already top 10 right now, so the committee has respect for them. It's not going to be Alabama, I don't think. I still don't think it's Tennessee. It's not Georgia. But that would be three really good wins for Tennessee, right, if you beat top 15 Missouri. I know, but a two-loss team's never made the CFE. Okay. And they and for any S, I still think, though, in this scenario, back to the original question, for any SEC, for Ole Miss to make it, for Tennessee to make it, chaos would have to freaking rain elsewhere. Like, yeah. Yes. The Pac-12 would have to go away. Texas would have to lose. Yes, implode. S- stuff would have to There would be a lot of implosions around the country. Yeah, so it's fun to think about. That's not going to happen. Georgia's beating Ole Miss. But, you know. Yeah. You know that is a good thought, though. That's, that's fun like, to think what about. What if all that happens? You think Georgia handles business uh, uh, against Ole Miss? What is it, in Oxford? No. Oh, in no, Athens. That's the thing. It's between that. Oh, well, then they handle business, yep. I would say. Yep. Whew going to be an eventful weekend in, the, in terms of SEC football. And Kirby still has number two ranking. What is what is Alabama shoulder. doing this weekend? Uh, Kentucky? That's right. That's right. I don't know where it's at. On the road. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Kentucky, yeah. yeah. That game is in Lexington. I mean, it'd be, it'd, be it's abs- a it'd be absolutely insane. But if Ole Miss can somehow beat Georgia this weekend, can you imagine the magnitude that's like in the energy in Knoxville next weekend. Yeah. It's going to be insane. Crazy. Uh winning in. South Carolina, do they make a bowl game? They've got yeah, to they, beat Clemson or Kentucky. Uh, they have to win out. They're already three. Oh, you're six. right. They've got to beat Clemson and Kentucky. But and, they get uh, both at home. Who was the other game? Vanderbilt. No. Um I I don't think they do. They snuck away from a win, uh, or I guess they they snuck out of the game against Jacksonville State with a win. Uh-huh. But if you ask Shane Beamer, it, I mean, it was a really hard fought win for those guys. <laughs> you know, they worked their they worked their tails off. <laughs> I love SEC football, said? man. No, I didn't. Um, I don't know if Stoddard's son. I think it was son. But uh, I don't know. I can't remember what happened. But the 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 final thing of the story was. The son didn't tell Shane something, and when Shane was like, why didn't you uh, involve me on this, or why didn't you concern me with this, he goes, you have a lot to worry about. Your team's 2-6. and six. <laughs> Oh, okay. He yeah. said that in the press and conference. And then Shane was telling yeah, the story. Yeah. yeah. Man, I love SEC football. There's rarely a dull day. Jack, that's going to wrap it up for us. We got a, a Josh Heupel press conference coming up in just about 20 minutes here on campus, so we got to go ahead and get over to that real quick. You seem fairly confident that Tennessee is going to come out with a win. I won't ask you for a score prediction or anything. Those are going to come out on RockyTopInsider.com tomorrow morning, but feel pretty confident, or, or what's your final feeling as we wrap up this podcast? I do. I am giving Tennessee the edge. Luther Burden is a big storyline. I cannot. Huge. Over, you can't, you know, just talk about it enough. So that may change things, but I still feel like I'm going to go Tennessee. I, just the way they've been playing, man, I, I think they're still a better roster. So, let me give the edge to them. Yeah, Better I think, coach. Yeah. I, I think Tennessee wins as well, but uh, be sure to look out for that predictions article as Ryan, Jack, and myself will all get our thoughts in, uh, and Matt Reed, we will all get our thoughts in on Friday morning, right before the game, right before we may start our, our big travel day on Friday, uh, and then wrap that thing up on Sunday. So, Jack, what do you say we go ahead and get out of here, we wrap this thing up, and, uh, man, we get ready for a big trip on Saturday. Let's do it. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast today. As always, you can go and check out RockyTopInsider.com for all the latest Tennessee news, notes, and coverage. Hey, it's basketball season. It's football season. We got it all covered. Jack and I will be in Columbia for the game this weekend, and Ryan will be in Madison, Wisconsin tomorrow night, which is Friday night, covering number 9 Tennessee taking on Wisconsin on the hardwood. So Rocky Top Insider will be dispersed around the country this weekend, but that's because we will bring you the live news from our respective locations like we always do. It's been a pleasure. You can follow Jack Foster on Twitter at Jack. Foster Media. You can follow Ryan Shumpert on Twitter at rshump00. If you want to follow myself as well, you can do that at Rick underscore Butler. But of course, just make sure you're checking out Rocky Tump Insider each and every day at Rocky Tump Insider on all five different social media platforms uh, and of course the website as well. So with that all being said, Jack, let's go ahead and get out of here. Thank you very much for listening to the Rocky Tump Insider Press Pass podcast. We will see you after the game as Jack and I break down whatever the heck happens in Columbia, Missouri this weekend. I can't wait to find out. I know you can't as well. Thank you very much for listening to the show. We'll see you back this weekend.